scripture this morning is in uh, 1 Peter chapter 3. Uh, we'll start at verse 13 and we'll go to verse 18. Uh, the Bible in the pew, it's on page 1272. It's 1 Peter 3 verses 13 to 18. And this will go along with Pastor Neil's sermon entitled, Prepared, What's Your Answer? Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. It's better if it's God's will to suffer for doing good than for evil. For Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. Welcome to a brand new series titled Prepared. And uh, this is, you know, so you may have wondered if you saw the title before this week. You know, we've been posting it on uh, Facebook and different places. And if you saw it, you may be wondering, prepared for what, right? Because uh, that could take you in a lot of different places, I suppose. Uh, but here's specifically what we're looking at. And this is how to share your faith without losing your mind. <laughs> That's the plan. This is a, uh, we're wanting to get prepared to share our faith and hopefully to be able to do so without losing our mind. Because let's face it, in the world in which we live today, it's not a comfortable thing to share your faith in most cases, right? And that's partly because we live in a really unique time and place. We live in this society where there's a lot of people who aren't Christians and yet, our nation has been so influenced by Christianity for so long that everyone feels like they know about it and have made up their mind about it. <laughs> All right? It feels like everyone, at least, either they know about Jesus and they know about Christianity or they think that they do. And either way, if you bring up Jesus or you bring up your faith, they have their opinions about it, don't they? They already have their mind made up in some way. It's not news to them. You know, when the, when the early disciples and, and many of our missionaries still today, you know, when they go into these regions where Christianity is not so well known and heard of, people are kind of curious, you know, well, what is this? I haven't heard of this, you know. But in our world, everyone's heard of it or thinks that they have, you know, and they've got an opinion about it. They either have an uncle who said he was a Christian and they couldn't stand him, so they're done with it, <laughs> you know, they've got something that they feel like they know what's going on. And so, you know, you feel, it feels like sometimes when we talk about uh, sharing our faith that, 
oh my goodness, not another one of these sermons. You know, not another one of these services. I, it's going to make me lose my mind. This series is, I just want to tell you up front, this first week it's based on two resources that I've come across in my life that were helpful to me and I wanted to share them with you. And the first one is actually another sermon series that will be similar to this one but different in some ways, especially the last message. But if you go to preparedseries.org, you can see a, a series, same title even, that... It talks about the similar subject, but it's Andy Stanley that delivers it. And maybe you've heard of Andy Stanley, or maybe you've heard of his dad, Charles Stanley. Uh, but this is a very excellent communicator. He's way funnier than I am. And uh, so if you go on there, you can look, and it'll be similar content in some ways, but a very different presentation. Uh, we're driving to the same point, but in some different ways. And so it might be a neat idea for you to go and look, especially at his last message, the third one is uh, not something we're really going to cover in this message series in depth and, and would be, is just really a good thing, especially if you've ever, you know, dealt with the question of, of, you know, how could a good God exist with pain and suffering and those kinds of questions and concerns. He addresses it in a powerful way. And so I'd challenge you to look at that. The other resource is a book that I came across uh, a little while back. It's the most boring title I've ever come across but an excellent book (laughs) it's called The Best Kept Secret of Christian Mission and it has a long subtitle that's even longer than the title but this book is very practical and biblically based on on what it means to promote the gospel not just with our lips but with our whole lives and it's uh, an excellent resource that we're going to dive into in a lot more depth in the future We'll, we'll study it on a Wednesday night series in 2016 and we'll uh, probably have a sermon series based on it exclusively. And uh, so you're going to hear more about that book. But it's part of what inspired this series as well. The, the focus of this series, you know, there's a lot of things we could talk about with how to share your faith. The focus of this is what to say when there's little time and even less interest. So we're just going to specifically deal with that because... You know, most opportunities you get to talk about your faith, it's like someone kind of brings it up, but they're not really wanting you to respond. You know, they, they just want to make their comment so that you know where they stand on Christianity, but they don't really want to know what you think about it or what you... They just want to say their piece and move on. And this happens at work. This happens at family gatherings, you know, and uh, you know around the Thanksgiving table it happens. And so we just want to talk about specifically... You know, it's that situation where you're, you're driving away from it later and you think of the perfect response and you think, next time. But next time it's a different comment or you've forgotten your little mm, <laughs> that you were planning to come back with. And so today is about what to say when there's little time and less interest so that we can all be prepared when that moment comes, no matter what the comment is, we'll have something ready. And that's what this series is about. And I don't think you get more practical than that. Now, just so you know where I'm coming from with this, my personality, the way I'm wired and and gifted, if you will, this has always been a struggle for me, sharing my faith. Uh, Just, I'm not the most, I'm not the never met a stranger kind of guy, you know. I just, I mean, I've gotten better with that kind of stuff over the years. But, you know, I have this cousin, though, that he is gifted at that. And this guy just blows my mind. I got to spend one summer with him. 
You know, he's the kind of guy that you send him into the convenience store to buy a pack of gum, and when he comes back out, he's already led the cashier to, the, to Christ, you know, <laughs> in the time it took to buy a stick of gum. So, what do you do with somebody like that, you know? And, and, and the way that this gets taught so many times, it's like everybody ought to be that guy. That's how I felt growing up, you know, is just this pressure that, you know, you've got to be ready. I took, anyone ever hear of contagious Christianity or can uh, something like that, Contagious Christian. I think that was the name of it. It was a course uh, that was popular back in the 90s, I think it was, uh, post-evangelism explosion. Anyone familiar with that one? Uh, that was the door-to-door knocking thing. And uh, so Contagious Christianity was a great improvement on that, <laughs> in my opinion, because that knocking on the door thing is something that, whew, no thank you. But even with Contagious Christianity, the point was, that you needed to be ready to share your entire faith story and they help you walk through and I think that's a good exercise to walk through you know putting together what is my faith story what's the story of my journey with Christ um, but to be able to share that with someone in one sitting and download the whole gospel to them complete with the correct theological terms and a diagram okay <laughs> and I'm just thinking okay in my day to day life I can't imagine a scenario where I'm sitting down with one of my friends and say, let me share you my faith story. Do you have an hour? <laughs> you know, let me share with you my story. And, and, and if you have a marker board, that'd be great because I'll draw this diagram for you and we'll be in good shape. Um, so I've just kind of dealt with guilt my whole life because I feel like you know, I've been taught that I need to share my faith, but I just don't feel like the way I've been taught to do it is something that fits me. And so I've struggled with that. And then I became a pastor. And I entered ministry. And the pressure goes to a whole new level. Because you get, I get emails from you know, pastor resources and things that say things like, uh, Well, if you're not sharing your faith every week, then how can you expect your church to do it? And, you know, it's not good enough just to share the gospel from the stage every week, Pastor. You need to be out there in the streets of life winning people for Christ. Or else, how could you expect your church to do that? And there's a whole other level of pressure that's added to it. But I think on some level we all experience it. And I've come to a place in my life where I feel like I've got a more balanced and biblical view of what it means to share my faith. And I've recognized in my life that I'm not, can I have a stick of gum and by the way are you saved guy. (laughs) That's not me. But I can do some things to promote the gospel in this world that people who are good at that maybe can't do. And you have things that you can do as well. And so probably right now, some of you are starting to breathe a sigh of relief. You say, okay, he's not going to make me say something to somebody about my faith. But that's not entirely true either. Because as we're going to find out today, there is one thing that we are all required to speak up about. There's one way in which we're all supposed to promote the gospel with our lips. And not just in other ways. And that's what we're going to talk about today. But before you get panicky about that, I just want to point out that you all already have a desire to do that. Because when those moments that we just talked about come up and someone criticizes your faith, and they say, I mean, you know the comments, it's, 
it's you know around the proverbial water cooler, and they're saying what they're you know the hey we're going to go out after work tonight, but uh, but you know Terry's not going to go with us because uh, you know she she's a church girl, right? <laughs> and or you know hey let's hit the golf course on Sunday, but Quint's not going to be there, of course, because he'll be at church. Yeah. <laughs> or how do you believe all that stuff? Which is code for you must be an idiot. <laughs> And we get these comments made our way. And don't we all desire to respond, to defend our faith, to say, no, I'm not stupid. (laughs) I love Jesus. I care about this thing. This is an important part of my life. And we all desire to say something in response in those moments. And so that's what this is about today. And so don't uh, get panicky. Just recognize This is what we're striving after today, to come up with an answer, a kind of a one-liner that we can remember, we can memorize it, and we can be prepared when the moment comes to give an answer for our faith. And we read a passage a moment ago. It was written, we believe, by a guy named Peter. This is a very fancy drawing of Peter. He's uh, probably by somebody Catholic. Because the Catholics, for the Catholics, Peter is Saint Peter. And not only that, he's their first pope. So Peter's big stuff. Uh, so that's why he's got the fancy robe here and the key to heaven, uh, which is you know, probably the key to the pearly gates, because we all know he sits at the pearly gates um, to you know, create joke material for us. <laughs> so he does that for us. But amongst those, beyond those things, Peter was one of Jesus' closest disciples. I mean, Jesus had a lot of disciples. But amongst those disciples, he had 12 that were extra close. And amongst those 12, he had three that were extra, extra close. And Peter was in that group. And Peter was chosen from amongst the leaders of this new faith movement to be the leader of the leaders. Peter was one of the first spokesmen for the gospel. He's also one of the first to take the gospel beyond the Jews to people like you and me and to say that's all right. Peter was also crucified for his faith. Tradition holds that he was he asked to be crucified upside down because he wasn't worthy of being crucified in the same manner. This is the Peter who wrote the words that we read a few moments ago. And we're going to walk kind of step by step through those words again. And just look at some of what he said. Because his words are going to kind of form the basis of this whole series. First thing he said is, Who's going to harm you if you're eager to do good? But if you should suffer for what is right, you're blessed. This reminds us of the time in which Peter was writing. In the first century... You could very well be persecuted, tortured, imprisoned, lose your life for your faith. And here Peter's just saying, Hey guys, if you're going to suffer, make sure you're suffering for doing something right, not for doing something wrong. I mean, you can kind of imagine somebody coming back and saying, Oh, they're, they're beating me up for my faith. And then they say, well, what, what happened? And they say, well, I stole this bread. And then, you know, so Peter's saying, look, everybody suffers for doing wrong, you know. Make sure that you, as people of faith, are suffering for doing what's right if you've got to suffer. Suffer as Jesus did. 
It reminds us of the context in which he's writing this. And then he says, But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord, and always be prepared. There's our word for this series. Always be prepared to do what? To give an answer. For what? For the hope. The reason for the hope that you have. Not give an answer, not be prepared to give an answer for why there's suffering or pain in the world. Not to give an answer for, um, you know, the creation versus evolution thing that people like to debate. Not to give an answer for why some Christians act like hypocrites. Not to give an answer on every political topic that gets tied up with religion, from you know abortion to, to same-sex marriage. To the, he doesn't say you have to be prepared for all that. He just says, you need to be prepared to give an answer for the hope that you have in Christ. And he goes on to specify what kind of answer that should be. Be prepared to give an answer. I'm sorry, I I need to skip back. We'll get to that in a second. Let's talk about first, what is the reason for the hope that we have in Christ? Let's just solve the, the question here. Because it says we need to be prepared to give an answer for the hope that we have. But in this verse, he doesn't tell us what the answer is. And probably if we asked a bunch of different ones of us, we'd come up with similar but different answers. But actually, in the same letter that Peter wrote, he talks about this hope several times that we have. And in other places, he tells us his reason. That he seems to think also ought to have something to do with our reason for the hope that we have. And the first one is this. This is right up at the beginning of this letter. After he praises God, he says, He's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And in another spot, similar, Through him you believe in God, through him being Christ, who raised him, Christ, from the dead and glorified him, so your faith and hope are in God. What was Peter's reason for the hope that he had? the resurrection I mean for Peter he had walked with Jesus he was around when Jesus died when he was betrayed and then when he suffered and when he died and after all that he ate breakfast with the guy on a beach by the sea of Galilee he touched him he spoke with him The reason for Peter's hope was he knew Jesus died and rose again. So he had hope. And he seems to say in this letter that that should be the reason for our hope. And even the Apostle Paul, another great writer of the New Testament, said plainly that if there's no resurrection of Jesus, then we're just a bunch of fools. Why else are we running around risking our lives, giving our lives, suffering as they were in that first century, 
and as people, and many Christians, still are around this world today in greater numbers than ever, really, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead. That is the crux of our hope. That's the hope that we have as Christians, as Christ followers. It's that He died and He rose again. And then He tells us, not only to be prepared to give an answer, He tells us the nature of this answer. That it's to be done with gentleness and respect. Not as a jerk. <laughs> you know, the world, when someone takes a jab at something that they hold dear and hold precious, they come back in the same way, don't they? They retaliate. They get back. Yeah, well, your faith is stupid too. <laughs> you know? And when we do that, when we start treating each other like that, we're no different than the world. And really, we get back to elementary school, don't we? Where it's the whole, my dad's tougher than your dad. Nuh-uh. My dad's tougher than you. Nuh-uh. <laughs> well, you're a stupid head. No, you're a stupid head. That's what the world does. But Peter says, just be prepared to give an answer for the hope you have and do it with gentleness and respect. When someone calls you out about your faith, be prepared to answer and be prepared to do so with gentleness and respect. And there's one more thing Peter mentions about all this. If we can pull it up. He talks about our behavior. And he says, it's not going to come up, is it? (laughs) He says that you need to have good behavior. Your lives need to be marked by good behavior. And he talks about kind of like an echo of that first thing that he talked about with the make sure if you're going to suffer, suffer for doing what's right. And he says, make sure that your lives are marked by characteristics that are Christ-like, you know? And so... What is the reason for that? Why is it important that we not only give an answer and give it in gentleness and respect, but that we back it up with good moral living? It's so that they really don't have anything to complain about. It's so that even though they don't maybe like Christians, maybe they don't believe, maybe they don't think that, you know, I mean, whatever they hold against us. Maybe they think we're hypocrites in some way, shape, or form. I mean, that's just a popular word nowadays. But when it comes down to it, they won't be able to say anything bad about us because of the way we conduct ourselves. And they find themselves wishing that they could raise some godly kids like those kids. And they find themselves wishing that they could be married to a spouse like that spouse. Even though they don't believe in all that Christian stuff. Man, Christian spouses. They find themselves wanting to hire Christians because they know that no one else's work ethic compares to Christian work ethic. That's why Peter said, be prepared to give an answer, do it with gentleness and respect, and then back it up with the way you live your life. There's this uh, really great quote. I don't know if I'll be able to go to it or not. It's by 
this guy named Pliny the Younger. How would you like to have that name? <laughs> he lived a long, long time ago. We'll cut him some slack. He lived around like 117 AD and he worked for the Emperor Trajan, Emperor of Rome. And this guy, he was a governor, and they were dealing with the Christian problem at that point. These Christians were growing and growing and growing in number, and they had to figure out what to do about it. It was unsettling. And they thought of the Christians as, you know, superstitious, which is funny and real rich to me considering their pagan faith with all these different gods and superstitions. Anyway, the Christians were the ones that were superstitious and all and, and they were trying to figure out what to do about these Christians and so this Pliny the Younger sent in, uh, well he captured some people or he, some of them he captured that were Christians and some of them he contacted people that had used to be Christians and then they left the Christian faith and for whatever reason and then he contacted them and said okay give me the scoop on what these people do in their little secret meetings and so forth tell me what these Christians are all about and here's what he reported back to the emperor just a portion of what he reported there he is Pliny alright he said the sum and substance of their fault or error had been that they were accustomed to meet on a fixed day before dawn and sing responsively a hymn to Christ as to a God and to bind themselves by oath not to some crime but an oath not to commit fraud, theft or adultery not falsify their trust nor to refuse to return a trust when called upon to do so and when this was over, it was their custom to depart and to assemble again, to partake of food, but just ordinary and innocent food, because there were rumors going around, doubtless, that they were cannibals or something, you know, because all, you know, the, probably the rumors about communion. You know, this is my body, this is my blood, and so what are these people doing? Well, it's just innocent, ordinary food. And, and what are they doing while they're there? Well, they're taking oaths to like obey the law and and be nice to people and stuff like uh, emperor what do you want me to do about these guys you know they're uh, obviously idiots but they uh, are probably the best citizens we've got um, <laughs> what, what, do I wipe them out do I tell everyone else to be like them what do I do here and here's an example of the first generations of Christians living out this instruction that Peter gave and other church leaders doubtless gave at the time as well to not only be prepared with an answer for their faith but to back it up with their living and so what are we supposed to do well we need to always be prepared and this is we've got a bunch of blanks today if you have enough ink in your pen and you want to fill them out these are the first ones always be prepared to give an answer for the hope you have that's the first thing we need to do that's pretty clear from the instruction we read about today 
We need to always be prepared to give an answer for the hope we have, you have. And the second thing we need to do is to back it up. And I'm, it's in and out for me today. To back it up with selfless is the first blank, generous is the second, and compassionate living that is unassailable. To back it up with selfless, generous, compassionate living that is unassailable. In other words, they, when they go to criticize you, they got nothing to criticize you for. If you're going to have to suffer, suffer for doing what's right. Now I promised you kind of a one-liner. So we're going to give you one. And it's pretty simple. It might seem overly simple to you. But here's what we're called to do. It's to give an answer for the hope that we have. And what is that answer for the hope that we have? As we talked about earlier, it has to have something to do with the resurrection of Jesus, right? And so here's what we're going to say. They're going to say, you know, well, why is there all this suffering in the world? And you're going to just say, I don't have all the answers. But I do believe that Jesus died for my sins and rose from the dead. Well, you know, I just can't put up with Christians. I mean, there's, they're all self-righteous hypocrites. Yeah, I can't answer for all the other Christians. I just, I believe Jesus died for my sins and he rose again. Just simple. And then we're going to add something to it. Because maybe they're going to say something like, I just can't believe the Bible. It just seems full of contradictions or error. And, I, and so you just say, I know. I don't know all the... You know, I'm no Bible scholar. But I do believe that Jesus died for my sins and rose again. But I don't believe it just because the Bible says so. It's better than that. And of course, you've baited them, haven't you? <laughs> and maybe they'll ignore you. Or maybe they'll ask a question, which might be scary for you. But that's what next week is for. So, <laughs> so hopefully you're feeling as much suspense as they might would feel when you gave this answer. And then we'll talk about the rest of that next week. But for now, let's just read this together. The whole statement, if we can get it to come up. If not, we'll just read this one. Maybe it'll decide to come up in a few minutes. That's what it's been doing for me today. <laughs> I say, put the slide up. And it says, I'll do it when I'm ready. <laughs> so, let's say this together. I believe Jesus died for my sin and rose from the dead. Let's say it again. I believe Jesus died for my sin and rose from the dead. Do you think you could remember that? You think you could hang on to that one in the back of your mind for that moment when you need some kind of answer and someone says something that makes your faith sound stupid or silly and you don't ever know what exactly you're going to say. And remember, you'll just remember, I don't have to 
have all the answers. I don't have to defend everything about the Christian worldview. I don't have to be a rocket scientist or a super theologian. I just need to be prepared to give an answer for the faith that I have. And I believe that Jesus died for my sins and rose again. And it's not just because the Bible says so. It's better than that. And we'll leave it there for today. And I just want to encourage you. Again. I know that we live in a world where it's, it's weird sometimes to share your faith. To know exactly how to do that. But you don't have to feel afraid of someone attacking your faith. And you don't, also, you don't have to feel guilty in those situations where it's hard to know how to respond or how to have just the right answer. You don't have to be a genius <laughs> that has all those answers. All you have to do is be prepared to give an answer for the hope that you have, to do it with gentleness and respect and to back it up with unassailable, good, generous, selfless living. And remember, our hope, all of our hope, every bit of it, is balanced on our trust that Jesus died for our sins and he rose from the dead. That's why we have hope. That's why we do this thing. That's why we gather. That's why at funerals we don't grieve like the world grieves. It's because Jesus rose from the dead. Without that, we're just a bunch of fools. But with it, we're co-heirs with the king. And that's pretty awesome. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your son. Thank you for the hope we have in him. Father, forgive us for the times that we haven't been prepared to give an answer for our hope in you. There's been times we should have spoken up and we didn't. Holy Spirit, help us to be bold in our witness. Amen.